right, welcome back to World Strongest Opinions. With us today on episode 27 is CJ, the Giant Slayer Kraus. Lots of accolades to mention. I'll just mention a few, though. Uh, American deadlift record holder under 80 kilograms. Of course, uh, podium at Clash of under 80s last year. Um, OSG finalist. A couple of uh, appearances at the Arnold. A lot going on. Welcome to the show, CJ. How are you doing today, man? I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, like, you know the weather out here in sunny Colorado today, so it's pretty good. <laughs> that's why That's why I'm pimping the, the – the, it's now – it's uh, old school. Yeah, the classic. The, the classic. Classic. The, the classic. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Sporting the classics. Yeah, man. So – so you got a lot of shows coming up. We were kind of talking right beforehand. Uh, the next big one is Chaos Classic in the UK. Luke Davies uh, sponsoring. Luke Davies is one of our favorite guests. How's prep going, man? I mean, you were saying that you're just kind of in the beginning of it. Yeah, I just started my week two of my 16-week prep, pretty much what I've decided to really hone in. I took a really good off-season for the first time in my career to – kind of put on weight to be a 90s. Like most people know I'm usually competing in the 80s. So going up a weight class, um, and I want to do it the right way, especially with this high caliber of a show. So I wanted to make sure I put on some solid weight, uh, get all my injuries healed, because at the end of last season, I ended up like dislocating my knee and tearing some muscles in my calf and like a bunch of little stuff. So that's all healed up now. And I had a good off season, just getting bad at weaknesses. I mean, getting good at weaknesses, I mean. And then, um, yeah, week two of prep went well. I'm hitting numbers already and ready to keep going up. Yeah, man. You're looking strong, dude. Um, I don't think I've ever – I mean, probably the strongest you've ever been at this point at time, right? And that's always I would the say, goal, of course, but yeah. – <laughs> Yeah, I would say definitely it's the strongest statically I've ever been because going through those injuries last year in the offseason, uh, me and Gabe Pena, who's my coach, really talked about um, working on – those weaknesses, which were like overhead's been like, not, I've never been bad at it. Like I've hit 300 in competition, things like that, but I need to do it consistently. Um, so focusing on strict press and making sure it's a consistent thing. And now I can hit 300 almost any training down a log, even like without thinking in my Viper. We worked a lot with my Viper press because I couldn't use my knees at all for a good, or my calf, a good chunk of prep. So doing that one motion was very helpful for that. And then of course my deadlift has always been there. It's been growing. Um, goal is to get 800 soon. Um, that's what I want to happen very soon. Very yeah. pushing for that. And then worked on a lot of just stamina and things like that. So yeah, I'm definitely, I'm sitting more in my natural body weight with a little bit extra and yeah, I'm just feeling the strongest I've ever been and more to go. What's your natural body weight? Um, roughly like 195 to 205 is kind of what I walk around at with, if I'm just like not paying attention, just doing my normal eating habits. And that's where I normally sit at. Um, for those of you that like know, 80 kilogram is about 176. So that's what I usually compete at. So like all last year, I was eating a calorie deficit for a good chunk of it. And then this off season, I kind of went to a calorie surplus, peaked out at about 218, 220. And now I'm probably roughly like 208, 210. So do you feel better, heavier or... To a certain degree. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, leverage has changed. That's, that was always my experience uh, going up and down weight for under 105 is 
for me specifically, the higher my body weight went up, the more my press went up, but my deadlift would always suffer because <laughs> I, you know, I, I always kind of blamed it on leverages for the lack of, you know, better reasons for it. Oh, no, for sure. Leverages can change a lot. That's why I definitely when I was doing the putting the weight on was very slow add on with that. So I didn't lose my leverages because deadlifts one of my better events. Um, so it's one of those things I didn't want to lose on the way up to the class because like if I blow it up after a show, I can definitely get too much gut and it gets in the way and I can't sit in the position properly. I used to know exactly what weight I deadlifted best at, which is 195. So whenever it was like a big deadlift in a show, I would refeed up to that weight after I made weight. Now I've put on enough strength and my body like size is good. Now I think like 205 to 210 is pretty much like the exact same what 195 used to be. Same leverages, same strength. Well, not same, stronger, but right. comparatively on that one. So now I can sit a little bit heavier on that and not lose my leverages so I can get a little more strength out of it. So I think slow gaining really helped me on that. But yeah, definitely leverages can change. And then having this exercise, um, my press has been skyrocketing. So Yeah. Dude, that's what I saw, man. I mean, looking at your your social media, um, just crushing 300, where you said it used to be last year about this time was like your one rep max, right? And now you're just, oh, just smoking it uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Not on log. Last year, my log max was maybe like 275, 280. Oh, wow. So real yeah. huge improvement. Yeah, my, my axle max was about 300 about a year ago. Um, and my log max is about 280. We recently retested my log max when my, like, I got fully cleared from my legs and like, I barely hit 300. Like it was like a fight and I was like walking with it and it was unstable and just hammering and hammering it. Now 300 is working weight. Like I'm hitting it for singles. I feel like I can hit it for a double if you ever, we ever need to test it, but I was hit. So I'm not worried about 300 pounds anymore. It's just something that's a working weight every single day. I know I can hit it, which I think is, it's huge for me, especially someone that's not known for pressing. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. It's good to hear, dude. It's good to see, like, you know, I follow you uh, and watching the, the progress is, has been really, really great, man. Appreciate yeah, it's that. It's substantial. It's crazy, though. The stack class that's going in is like watching all of you do your presses and everything. I'm like, <laughs> it's going to be a wild show. Yeah, Max Log is a is a big thing on that one. It's and they want to break the world record. I won't be breaking the ninety kilogram world record, but I think I'm going to be in contention of upper middle pack if I keep progressing the way I am, which is the goal. It's um, again, my game's always consistency. We've seen that a lot throughout my career in the sport, um, and I think if I keep focusing on this, it's a way I can keep consistent um, with that event because I never want to lo like lose points where I don't have to. That makes sense. And when you talking about like points and everything, we know, of course, like you're gunning for first. So who would you say would take second and third? Um, that could be a long list of guys. So okay. I'm a... top four people. Top okay, top four, four people. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna you got to do Cam more Peters. than top four in this, in this <laughs> yeah. field. I mean, top four is like <laughs> yeah, me, someone else. I can list that. Uh, Cam Peters is someone that always comes to mind. I've had a good battle with him head to head. And I'm excited. I saw what he did at OSG, and barring injury, I think he could have won that show. Speaking of OSG, we got to talk about someone's been calling me out on social media, um, Tyler Davis. Uh, he's a great competitor. I respect him. <laughs> I I still don't think there's anything he can best me at, like consistently across the whole show once I'm at full peak. So we'll see how that goes with that one. Um, so I'm like under the radar guy. I mean, we can also talk to Shane German coming out of retirement, coming down to the 90s class. I think he pressed over almost 400 pounds it, quote me if i'm wrong like maybe more i don't even know yeah. that's someone that, looking forward to that one um i mean 
Uh, wild card, I would say Andrew Pepiot, who I think um, just not a lot of people know about him because he's a quiet kind of guy. But he had a he had a killer time on the qualifiers. I think he's consistent with all of that. That's he's just like four of off the top of my head. He's yeah. just been around for a long time, and he's got a lot mm-hmm. of good experience. He's uh, I don't know yeah. if he could be considered one of the old guys yet, but he's got <laughs> old guy experience. And then there's some like I could even I'll list two more just to have two more. Dan Benson and um, Gav McAvee are two other guys that I think could put on a good show depending on their weaker events. Like depending on how well Gav can get his press to catch up with his because he's again world record deadlift holder. Yep. So it's something. To be, um, Dan Benson's right there, former world record deadlift holder. So the two guys that can pull. Um, it just depends where the other events kind of fall into place with all of that. So. Yeah, I mean, I could keep listing names. We just know how to stack this. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm looking at the lineup, and it's really hard to pick people out. Yeah, and everything, and it's nice you called out Tyler because he's going to be on the show on the 25th, 24th. tentatively. Oh, 24th. 24th. I think. Yeah. Nice. One of those nice. days. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I, I can't. I, I can't wait to hear this day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can't mean, wait to hear what he said about me. Dude, there's a lot of good names. Like Nick O'Hare. Um, when he's yeah. on, he's on, man. Yeah. Um, Tyler I love Nick. Young, Tyler Young cutting down. Um, I yeah. mean, which to me That's a wild one. That's like that's probably not much of a cut for Tyler, right? Oh. It's not though. It's like his natural body weight. Like he's yeah, like two fifteen to two eighteen. He's just gonna diet properly. Yeah. Um like both the guys. Cut, he's never had a cut for un, under one of five. So Oh nice. But uh, he's I been think, in eighties before. He's been yeah. in nineties before. These are things he like started. He started in eighties, yep. In the 80s. 80s. Oh, did he? Okay. 80s. I thought he started in the 90s, yeah. but okay. No, yeah. So he's been all the way down to that class. So he's kind of like one of those guys. I, I'm not – like he's going to do amazing things on the static events. Yeah. The thing is like for those two guys, and I, they can prove me wrong. Like anybody in this class would be wrong. I think there's just glaring events that they might not be able to do as well on. Like Tyler having the yoke to double sandbag, right? Right. How, how much time is he going to lose on um, having to get that bag higher for the yoke or things like that or – taking time to do things like that. And then Nick O'Hare, can he get his grip? I love Nick, but like his grip's always been his Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a heavy farmers, 300 a hand and there's three picks. So, so like, I, I think they can do it by all means, but I think those weaknesses and the way the show is like made up kind of like not take them out of contention by any means. They have to perform on those events to make it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that kind of boils down to I mean, everybody, right, is – I mean, this is the, the, creme, the creme de la creme of the under-90s from around the world. Um, the reality is it's just being there. Everybody's a contender, right? And, and um, you know, unfortunately, somebody has to take last, somebody will take first, and there's going to be a mix-up in between. But, I mean, everybody just getting that far to that level is, uh, is an achievement in and of itself. What do you think about uh, John Hack making the uh, the move? I don't know if it's it's just temporary to see how how it goes for him, but uh, but I mean he's hands down the strongest deadlifter in this class. Oh, of course, by far, yeah. by far. But I think again, it's it's definitely a celebrity invite. He's done a couple of local strongman shows, done some good things. I'm excited to go against him to see how he does i've seen his training i think um there's a lot to be desired and come carry over and i've seen in my career like power lifters there's four moving events we have essentially that's where it becomes the problem for the power lifter yeah in that one because the second you're making change their plane of motion they're most likely going to 
walk like there's cement in their shoes. Um, and it's an axle bar. Like that's hard to keep consistent. That bar path is different. There's no slack to pull out. Right. Is he an insane puller? Yes, by far on that. I'm not trying to take anything away from, him. I've seen him been repping like 600 plus pounds, 700 pounds, like awesome on that one. But there's a lot of guys that can do that in this class. Um, and is he going to win the deadlift? Maybe like he'll be up there for sure. But then his log for a max log, I know I can hit 320 right now, and he's missed it recently. Yeah, is he statically strong enough to do it? Yes, but is there nuances to this sport that are completely different than powerlifting? Yes. So can he put it together in time? Because he's again, he's fighting the clock, right? Because he has all the strength, but does he have the athleticism and the um, the nuances that we have of years of doing this? That's what we need to see with John Hack. So I'm really excited to go against him, but um, as someone that's a strong man his whole um athletic career at this level i'm not gonna let him beat me so <laughs> that's that's the right attitude <laughs> yeah and that, that's a good point about the axle and stuff because that does change like the plane of motion and if you're used to like strongman deadlifts are different because like recently i hadn't been training like with straps at all and getting like you can't get your air at the top and then strap in because like yep. that's just way too much time. And as someone who likes to get a full brace and just go down and just pick it up, like yep. it's a completely different movement having to like try to like awkwardly get into place while your belt's like sucking the life out of you. So it'll, it'll yeah, be it, interesting to see those things carry over. Oh, for sure. But the difference there. Whenever we talk about powerlifters, and, and this is a bad example because they're like two different body types and weight classes, is Brian Siders. <laughs> Brian Siders always comes to mind when uh, when I think of uh, sort of the celebrity powerlifter invite to Strawman. I don't know if you guys have, have seen those uh, back in like the Arnold, and he's in the World's Strongest Man one or two years. And the lack of – like Brian Siders was an amazing powerlifter, right? I mean – incredibly powerful um moving a lot of weight i'm pretty sure he was a world record holder at one time zero athleticism he couldn't move um exactly like what you were saying as soon as he had to move and run um you could tell he'd never he'd spend his entire life not doing anything of the sort right and that could definitely be the achilles heel of of those static strength athletes yeah, because like I said, there's two static events. We have four events that have some kind of moving involved in it. So, and one of the static events it requires a special kind of clean, the log. So, it's just one of those things that, like, again, he's got all the strength to prove me wrong, but I just, I just don't see it. And yeah, I'll, yeah. And you're right. I mean, do you ever see the the video of uh, Dmitry Klokov? Like, it was like the first time he ever touched a log, and this was back when he was still like push pressing 495, like like it was a joke, right? I want to say he did like a 120 kilogram log and like he could barely press it because it was so out of, out of the groove. He didn't understand the mechanics of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it kind of boils down to like if being strong and being efficient doesn't mean much of you had, haven't trained with the specific implements, don't have a lot of time with, with it. Yeah. And for sure, I give him all the credit in the world. He is training it. I see him on his Instagram posting about it, working with people, talking to people. So I give him credit. So he's taking this serious. So I'm not like uh, upset. He's like just walking in, thinking he's gonna win the whole thing. He is training it, but it's just like again, he's battling the clock yeah. at this point. Well, how much? How much? Like we've done this for years. How much strongman can you like cone in for six events in one day with minimal <laughs> rest? 
right. in 16 weeks. Not so. much. I mean, I'll tell you what, when I was training for um, Clash or SCL Worlds, where there was, you know, between uh, 10 and 12 events, I, I just didn't train half of them. I was good enough where I didn't need to. Right? I, let me rephrase that. I knew the events well enough that I didn't need to hammer the form on them. I just needed to be strong, right? And so you're right. I mean, being a top-level strongman athlete requires a, a bit of expertise to where you don't – because you can't. You don't want to have to focus on that many events going into a show. It's going to be detrimental to your weaknesses, right? Yep, for sure. And that's kind of like why we developed so many years under our belts and why we did so many shows early on and trying to figure out events, doing all these things. That's why like competing is almost the most important thing in strongman. Like not just don't pick a show you know you're going to win. Pick a show that's going to challenge you and keep getting challenged and work your way up. Like I can't tell you how many times in my first few years of doing strongman, I was just trying not to get last. Yeah, that was like the biggest thing. I was like, let's just try not to get last and figure out this new thing that I've never done before. And that was happening. It took me like four years to be decent enough to qualify for my first nationals. Yeah, you know. So yeah, likewise. And I think, uh, and and we preach that on on this show a lot. Is uh, if if you need to win, you're in the wrong sport. I mean, let me let me kind of rephrase that again too. If <laughs> if you have any aspirations to go far in the sport if you can't compete without losing, like you're in the wrong sport because <laughs> yeah. you, you got to lose to learn to win. Right. And, and strongman, there's so much to learn. Like you said, you know, I tell, I tell people that are just entering the sport this all the time, like spend some time um, challenging yourself, going into the harder classes. Don't go and take the easy road, right. Compete against people who are better than you. That's how you learn to be better. Right. That's how, that's the, 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 demonstration of what you need to do to be at that level yeah i did a total of i think three total novice shows and then i jumped right in the open like and i did three of them in the first like i think it was like six to eight months and i was like okay and then i spent years getting my ass kicked yeah. like <laughs> but i think it's, it's what makes you better you don't just like okay cool i got a trophy but like it's it's a hollow trophy to me i i I prefer more my like accolades of like not getting first all the time. Someone like making the finals of OSG twice. is like really important to me more yeah. than like certain wins I've had at medium level shows or things like that. So being top 10 in a world competition is underrated in my opinion. Um, you know, strong man is like, it's all, a, it's about the glorification of the strongest man. Right. And, and rightfully so that person gets all the, you know, the glory and the, uh, the accolades, but, being top 10 in the world in your class is a huge, huge achievement in and of itself. Um, because getting that one opportunity to get on the podium, right. That doesn't, that doesn't happen for very many people yeah. year after year. Right. They may have a big uh, peak in their career and win a, a few uh, national titles or world titles, but it almost almost always wins, well, right? It's, and not a case they might come back, but yeah, it's why I say I'd rather have like a JF Caron career than even an Eddie Hall career. And in my mind, you know what I mean. I think that's one of those things. Like he was always making the finals. He was always in contention. He won Canada Strongman like twenty something times. Like just like crazy number of competitions, crazy number of things. That's someone that like like was about it. That's someone I respect a lot. That's kind of my mindset of it too. Is just like. I'd rather be consistent and the more opportunities I have, it means how good I actually was. I can almost think it's like, I can like get a fluke and 
it's the perfect event. It's the perfect day. It's built for them. Awesome. Yeah. But can you do yeah. it again? Can you can you be in yeah. contention every time? Can you walk into any show and be like, okay, that guy I know is going to be a challenge at every show versus like, okay, he got a W, but like, then he missed here, missed there, you know. So, yeah. so the vast majority of people, they they will not win more than once, right? At the world level, the vast majority. You've got you've got a few examples, right? In World's Strongest Man, right? Shaw and and Pujanowski and of course Big Z, you know, in the 105s where we got Andrew Clayton who's done it a couple of times, right? Yep. Um, he's won some big shows. Tyler Davis had a good streak, I think, last year. Won some big shows, um, but but yeah, I mean, uh, top ten is nothing to shake a stick at. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna quote the the Kurgan man when you said Eddie Hall. Remember, remember the Kurgan said that it's better to burn out than to fade away. I mean that that is that is a choice. <laughs> Islander <laughs> for the win. <laughs> No, I think that's a good point, though, to like really challenge yourself. Because, like Darren said it before on the show, of like you'd much rather be the weakest strong man than to be the strongest weak man. And a lot of people like they'll only do it if they can come out on top. And that's like congratulations, you compete against people who weren't really that strong of competition. Whereas, like I like when people have that approach of like they want to compete against like you or cj pierce is cj pierce gonna do this one or is he he, out? he is not he is sitting this one out like i i coach mm-hmm. him so i talk with him a lot oh, um wow. he's opting out he's got he, that's the other things he wants to do in his personal life so unfortunately he will not be there but um i think he's gonna be at the uh psl 90s to try oh, to nice. defend his yeah from what i've heard from him recently so he's he's big focus this year honestly to talk about him um he wants to go 105 soon He's ready to take that next step up, and um, he's been trying to push himself, especially like I coach primarily his deadlift, which has been – I think we put on like 70 pounds in the past year to his deadlift. Just, just, I mean, again, I, I, the way I say it is I unlocked his potential because his positioning was wrong for the most part, and then I correlated the, the growth up on top of that one. I think the first 30 to 40 pounds just him not in the right positioning for it. But, um, yeah, he's, he want, I think he, this, he's tired of cutting. He doesn't like it. He sits like 215 to 220, and he's starting to creep up a little more. He's just getting so strong and big. Yeah. Um, so I think 105s will be very soon for him, and he's got the pressing power. His deadlift's getting yeah, there, he and he's – Yeah, so I think um, he's someone to watch out for in the upcoming years in the 105 class um, for that one. So spoiler alert on that, but I think he's got a, one or two more <laughs> 90 shows in him. And that's the natural progression for Strongman. At least, I mean, again, something that I – frequently uh the natural progression should be once you once you start dominating a certain weight class you should move up right it's just like so it's like novice if you win you're supposed to move into amateur right if you if you win 90s or you whatever i'm kind of saying this a little bit arbitrarily because uh some of the weight classes are relatively new in the lifetime of the sport but you know the idea was back when there was only two weight classes there was under 105 and there was opens under 105 was meant to just be a stepping stone into the opens right once you start doing well there you're supposed to go up and um and it's always nice to see from from my perspective anyway when people like like kate nicholas canby right i mean he was dominating under 105s there's no point in continuing to dominate when there's a whole other you know uh world of athletes out there to challenge yourself against 
Yep, for sure. And it's like one of those things is like it's a natural fight. We I get as you get stronger, you're gonna get bigger. Yep. And that's the thing. The cuts are gonna get even tougher. And this is something I've been dealing with. It's like when's my last eighty show? Like maybe OSG this year is my last eighty show. Who knows how my body's gonna react to a cut back down to eighties? Because like I'm getting stronger. That's the thing. You just eventually we're gonna outgrow a class, and that's okay. But it's just something that like we have to decide as athletes when's that point? You know. Yeah. Yeah, and this year's gonna be a great test for me doing mostly 90 shows two big 90 shows i'm doing then i plan on doing osg as an 80 and maybe like, we'll see if that's my last one or if i have another cut in me or i would like another crack at the 80s world record so maybe i'll do one more after that who knows so do you when you cut i mean you're what did you say you're like 208 right now just about yeah 208 pounds and i mean cutting down to 176 i mean that's uh that's a 32 pound cut do you, are you going to do that all water or do you actually diet? Oh, no, I diet, diet down. down. I I spend about 10 weeks of a diet down ideally is my goal on that one to slowly get it down to a good progression. I'm not losing strength on the way. So when I um when I do a cut, it's usually I try to get down to like mid 190s to low 190s and lean. I'm very lean when I get to that point, um, holding as much muscle as possible. And then the water seems to come off very quickly um for the most part oh, yeah. sometimes it's a little tougher than others but i think if i'm like 194 when i start my water load i'm not worried about getting to 176 um it all it, the way cutting works it's just the preparation that's more about the eight to ten weeks before you do the water load than it is even the week of the water load on top of that one am i extreme case yes i'm one of, but um that's why again when's my last cut going to be because eventually i'm just holding myself back my peak strength but usually it's about mid one nineties is what I try to get down to and then, um, water the rest. Yeah. What do you think about water cuts? You know, I, so I've done a lot myself. Um, mm -hmm. and I often hear other athletes, weight class athletes say that, that water cutting is, is hard. And I was kind of shaking my head at that. And I'm like, it's hard in the, when you start doing it like the first few times, but by the time you're like an elite athlete, it shouldn't be hard anymore. And if you, and if you miss it, like I kind of feel that if you're missing a weight cut at that level, like you, you're not ready to be at that level. It should be one of the, it's uncomfortable by all means. Right. But it should not be the hardest thing you do going into a competition and you should not be missing a weight cut when you're at an elite level. <laughs> Again, I think it just goes back to what the, what was your preparation? How lean did you get beforehand? What was the whole spectrum? Like, do you, how well do you know your body? on that one too. Like I know it takes me roughly about now it used to take me seven weeks. Now it starts taking me eight weeks. Now it takes me 10 weeks approximately to have a super clean, easy cut with dieting down to the right percentage of body fat, the right water load. Everything's in place. It takes me roughly from start of diet to show day. I need usually nine to 10 weeks and I know I'll make weight on the dot. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, as, um, Derek Owens has told me in the fact you look like death, like my eyes are sunken in my cheekbones are down, but I don't feel bad anymore. Mentally I'm there. As long as I don't lose my head, I'm there. Every cut is different and different. Like hormonal reactions do happen. Those are all one-off shots that could affect things as well that um, I usually don't hold too much against athletes, but a lot of time it's like, what did you do during your preparation in the eight weeks before you even started drinking your first gallon or first two gallons of water? It's really what sets you up. Yeah. I think consistency. I mean, you're right. Um, and I kind of like what I was saying is 
the beginning, when you first start, you're learning what, you, what your body reacts to. You, you learn what works best for you. Because some people like to do, you know, full immersion or sauna, sauna suit. People like doing water loads, right? There's various ways of doing mm -hmm. that. And, and with experience, you dial in what works well for you. Yep. And I think and I think it just it boils down to consistency, right? And, and to be an elite athlete, I think you have to be really consistent. You have to be very mindful of all of those factors that go into your weight, your water cut specifically. Um, but yeah, I've never thought that it was the last probably five years. I mean, the leaner you get, the easier it is. But yeah, it just got easier and easier and easier yeah. and easier. It, where it was just like... It just depends on percentages as well, too. Like, I, I tell people you earn your percentages. Like, when I coach an athlete on their cuts, I start them off. I'm like, you're doing under 5%. We got to get dieted down to under 5%. And you're going to earn your first water cut of, like, 3 to 4%. And then we see how you react. Cool, you were able to perform. You did well. You earn another percent or two, depending on how you perform, how you did well. You earn. And I really don't like coaching athletes over the 10% mark on that one. At that point, you need to know everything about your body. Like, I've done 12% cuts. Yeah. they th those suck on that like i've yeah, yeah. The, it's just one of those things but like you have to know how to refeed as well so like i said you, i feel like the way i coach my athlete you earn the percentage you're allowed to cut and that's how it goes the progression of it on that one so if you want to be the biggest guy in the class cool you better have done all the steps to be able to make the weight to be the biggest guy in the class and make your refeed proper so you're not walking out there overly bloated that's all yeah. but again yeah, at this level, you should know that. Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of that was my original point. But always, <laughs> it's always funny to me that like you go into these big shows and people are still complaining about the weight cuts. I'm like, yeah, we are all suffering, right? It sucks, but like this should not be the hardest thing you do this weekend. Um, if I mean, if you are again, you've planned and everything, but being at that level. Um, you shouldn't be at that level if you haven't figured that out yet. But when, when it co comes to refeed, what's your kind of favorite protocol? Oh, I am meticulous about my refeed. I am like the first hour I'm like letting my stomach acid settle. I'm eating, I'm just taking like a protein shake with some um, like creatine and sodium and things like that. Letting the stomach acid about an hour in. I start having like rice cakes and jam just to get started in the process. If I'm having an IV, that's when I start having the um, eating as well at that point, maybe a bagel, a little bit there. And then the rest of the day, I try to get like my go-to big meal is sushi because easy, easy digestible protein, okay. e easy digestible carbs, some simple things like that. Lots salt, everything, salt, everything as I'm going through drinking water, but not chugging. Um, and then usually it's about a meal every hour, hour and a half. And then I kind of monitor my weight throughout the day based on the goal of the show as well. Like if I know press is going to be a bigger problem, I try to put on a little bit extra weight to get uh, closer to like that 200, 205 mark. If I know I'm going to be focusing on the deadlift, I make sure I stop at like 195 to 198. So I'm really meticulous in checking my weight throughout the day to know exactly what's going on with me. And then um, just monitoring my right level. So it's really just like a very finite and what's the goal of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I just found a, a good, uh, um monitor for when i'm getting like too bloated as i can't close my hands <laughs> yeah when the <laughs> fingers eat, start to eat too much salt like... and too many simple carbohydrates <laughs> yeah. i'm like oh yeah. we might want to cut back yeah my i can't grab a farmer's <laughs> handle there's a problem i my ankles usually tell me i'm like oh they're starting to swell that's where i slow down cool <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> well that makes sense to get it down to a science because like 
whenever you hear about people missing weight cuts, I'm like, that must be a bummer. Like miss a weight cut by a few pounds. Like, because at that point you have to compete heavier and you're still like in the middle of a weird water cut. Or you don't compete at some of these shows now. If you make the cut, you're done. There's no other replies to go to. Yeah, pro strongman league. You miss a cut. You're, um, you're not. You're not competing that day. There's no class yeah. to go up to. Um, but that's why it's a pro level show. You, ha- your first job as a pro in a weight class sport is to make weight. That is the first thing you do. That's if you want to call yourself a pro, have the opportunity to earn a paycheck. You got to step on that scale. Period. So. No, I think that's super important. And I think getting it down to a sign so you're not doing like painful or reckless things. Because when you ever, when I hear about people doing like super diuretics and doing like 15 to 20% body cut weights, you're like, sounds How are you going to perform? How are you going to perform though? Like the the idea of that, and especially with like high diuretic, it's just like, cool, you made the weight. Now you can't perform. So it's like, there's a balance to all of it, understanding all that. It's, it's, It's actually a science. Also, if you're making that big of a cut, you're not in, you're not lean enough. Sorry, it's just there's no way you have that much body fat, or you're just, you're in the next class. It that just is what it is. If you're doing like twenty percent, <laughs> you're you're not in the right class, That's and you're and like, obviously not before. It gets pretty unsafe, like you said. I mean, over fifteen percent starts getting into like a, a pretty big safety issue, in my opinion. Uh, there's nothing there's nothing in strongman worth that risk. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. But like even yeah. then, like at the same time, like you're the guy that made weight barely on the scale and you can't feed up properly and you try to press and you're hitting 30 pounds under what you did in training, yeah. you know, like what does that prove? And things like that. Like, I don't know there. I agree. I'm not done some bigger cuts, like 12%, like I said, but I can, I didn't start there. <laughs> I started at like five, right. four. And you should only be doing cuts like that. If you're at a high level, you never shoot close to a 10% cut unless it's for like a world record attempt a world's level show, or you're getting a paycheck. Those are the three reasons to do like that high of a cut. Um, besides that, like amateur athletes, guys, just if it's over 5%, you didn't diet well enough. And maybe you should just do the next class and challenge yourself. And just one of those things and then get your diet down, take it as a learning experience. Um, if you have to go to extreme measures to do, you know, the show down the street, maybe there's other factors you should be considering, or maybe it's you're, and you're not taking it serious enough the level you want to be at. And it's okay to not take the sport as serious as we do. It's okay to be a hobbyist yeah. in this. But if you're going to be a hobbyist, don't do things reckless. And yeah. if you're going to go to the, the elite level, earn your way up there. Because you hear, you hear about all of us doing these giant cuts. You hear about it and like, oh, they're doing it all the time. So why can't I do it? Are you factoring in like how many we've done? Understanding our bodies. The body fat we're at right now on top of it the weeks of prep we don't talk about because the only time we complain during a prep is the last week when we're having to make weight. <laughs> you know, we're not complaining about eating the rice and, you know, and veggies and meat the whole time. But that's the easy part. Yeah. The heart, like, it's just one of those things. Think about that on the way up as well. Cause I think anybody can reach this level if they work hard enough and want it hard, want it bad enough and make the proper sacrifices. But like, don't make the sacrifice like that early when you're in the learning phases. Right. That makes sense because doing it for a small local show that maybe has like $150 cash prize for first place, you're like or, or jeopardizing $0. your yeah, zero dollar <laughs> and you're jeopardizing your health for like nothing and stuff. Like yeah. I think it's important because I think 
a lot of people kind of get ex too excited early on about it. And it's like, really, for the first few years, you're just building strength. Like, you should only be focused on size and strength. Like, unless you're like really concerned about like a certain like field or whatever. I think too many people worry about those like weight cuts and stuff at the beginning. And I'm like, you should maybe it, just focus on strength. Well, I think point. people remember the people that came out of nowhere. They're like, oh, the amount of people that like, Cam Peters, at least for example, last year, amazing athlete. First time doing OSG, nearly <laughs> wins the whole show. He is the like 0.00001% of people that can do yeah. that, right? And he had a foundation before that as well. Um, but the majority of people like myself, it took me almost five years to get my first national qualified for, right? Yeah. More people are closer to my timeline than his timeline, but they see this person and it's okay not to be that freak of an athlete. Yeah. You just have to, you have to, you have to work harder. That's how, that's how it works. Yeah. Cause he has an insane drive. I mean, it's crazy to like oh. work night shift doing like working on an oil rig all night and then go to the gym at 7am when you yeah. just got off work. I'm like, there are very few people I know who will do like that two to one thing of like, he works yeah. all the time. And they, I don't I, think people always understand that. Of like, I take nothing away from him, but the fact yeah. that he's 24 or 25 at this point <laughs> and able to do this, like <laughs> there's a freak athlete in there that has this capability. On top of that, he works so hard yeah. to yeah. do that. It takes so. both. But again, the majority of people have to work mm -hmm. that hard or close <laughs> to it or work, in the, but they need more time because they just don't mm -hmm. have those, those gifts. And again, he does the most of his gifts. That's awesome. But sometimes that's not your path and that's okay. You know, yeah. don't try to rush your path. And I think people don't always understand too of like, there are certain, like a lot of people I know who have been like freak athletes along the way. You have to realize like working in construction or working in an oil field for five to 10 years, like that's, that'll build strength without any sort of strength training and stuff. Yeah. Like there's a solid mm -hmm. thing of like, working all day if, if you take it seriously there are some people who won't but like i mean i run oil field and i mean yeah i put yeah. on some i put on some weight um yeah the only the only diff the only thing is is that from a weightlifting perspective you need to constantly change the stimulus right yeah um increase the the stimulus where eventually everything is just always the same out there right yeah. you'll gain quickly when you start but then everything's just repetitive and same way yeah, i mean it's a solid same. base though it is it's pretty like decent. i wasn't saying it's going to get yeah, you to the world pretty, level pretty decent base um, stuff, like but that is an exceptional thing and i think people kind of want to be that dark horse to appear but it's uh, for most people that's not going to happen like you need to build up for years yeah what's exceptional i think is being able to work a, a laborious job and then go and work out and Ooh. you know and I'm not taking anything away from it. It's easier to do in your 20s than, you know, <laughs> mid-30s and 40s. But, um, you know, more power to him. I mean, the time is now if he's going to do it. And um, yeah, that's that's it is exceptional, right? Yeah, it's not the rule. Yeah, everything. Yeah, so I think that I like that to earn your way up and everything, because that really is like with cuts and everything. You don't you don't start out right away, like at your best and everything no. or at like the most intense thing but i think overall it's going to be a crazy class though i keep looking at this list and i'm like i don't know where, what to think like the longer i stare at this list and we talk I'm like, number one i love cam because he's a friend and everything but it's crazy to see him up there on that list and when i found out he was 24 i was like oh my god like that's crazy blew my mind when i found that out too i'm like 
cool. Yeah. Cool. You're, you're going to be a problem for a long time if you can just say LD. Yeah. Like, Whenever people send their email addresses and it ends with like a high 90 something, I'm like, oh, cool. You were born in 1998. Awesome. You know, another person that probably, uh, I don't know if he's falling under the radar, radar or not, is Mario Silm. Uh, oh yeah, he's uh, he's a, he's a under ninety from Finland. Um, had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. I believe he's won two of the SCL under ninety World Championships. The dude is a crazy presser. Uh, he's definitely uh, CJ Pierce level presser. I mean, he's really incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I excited. I I don't know much about him. Like I said, I listed people I know and that there's names I don't know on here. But again, I, I don't take any of this for granted. I don't think like it's going to be easy by any means. It's going to take my best day. And like, there's that's another name. Cool. That's another reason why I want to focus on pressing so much because there's so many good pressers. That's where I can lose points. And that's why I'm like, okay, that's something I got to keep focusing on. So yeah. 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 Thank you for giving me more motivation. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're, you've got a lot of motivation there. By all means, uh, it's a, that is a stacked class. So what's next after Chaos? You'd mentioned uh, the PSL under yep. 90s in September. Where's that going to be held at? You know, I believe it's in Virginia. I can't remember where in Virginia. So that's the next show I'm doing. I actually opted out of the uh, PSL 80s this year, mostly because, again, time it takes to water cut. And I'm doing Ohio Strongest um, as well. Because, again, I'm in my walking around weight. I can get to right. 90s in a week, less than a week, sure. you know what I mean? Without, without trying. Um, and I want to plan on doing um, the U90 and potentially U100 USS uh, American deadlift records. And I want to go for the block press world record is my plan for Ohio strongest. Nice. Um, what is it currently? I believe it's somewhere in the 270 range around there. Okay. Yeah. Does, give does or take. Get, I didn't. Um, either, oh man. I can't spit his name out right now. Um, he trains at, at, Titan, uh, Iron. Ethan, Ethan Atkins. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan Atkins. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Very good. Space his name, but he tried. He went yeah. for it at the uh, clash last year. Did he not? Yep. Yeah, and he missed it barely on that one. But I think he, I've worked with him on his most recent cuts, and I think he just didn't do his cut properly, his refeed properly, and he's got a good shot of hitting again. Uh, right now, Aaron Telavera is the current record holder for that event, okay. and I think it's in. My, I think it's in my ballpark, especially holding this heavier weight that I can hit that. Sure. Um, so these are just things that's along the way. That's kind of a fun show. It's for charity. Um, it was originally called the clash for Nora. I don't know what it's going to be renamed to or things like that, but it's again for a great charity event. I'm excited to be a part of that. And then um, I opted out of the PSL eighties because it's right in middle between PSL nineties and the, um, the record breaker, Ohio strongest. So I won't be doing the eighties clash or PSL this year, but the nineties, I will be competing there because I qualified for that when I won clash in the UK. So taking the opportunity to do some more 90s stuff. So yeah. I think that makes sense. That's exciting. And the black press, that that's one of the first videos I ever saw of Darren was doing the black press uh, <laughs> clash years ago. And I was like, that's a hard movement. And everything. Yeah. Like that's like, it's so impossibly awkward trying to clean it and get it up there. And to, especially if you try multiple attempts, I'm like, I'm always impressed uh, by the black press. It's really yeah, hard it's too. Be- and the weights is not like, <laughs> like locked down and moving all over the place. Yeah. No, it's definitely wasn't a wonky it just one. like sealed up with all the stuff in there. I'm like a concrete block seems easier than that. Like, yeah, for sure. 
That's that's why the weight isn't like you hear people hitting like over 300 logs and over 300 axles, and this one hasn't even reached 300 yet. So it's one of those things that like it's because it's so awkward in every right. shape and form. Um, but that's why again, I'm excited to attempt it. Am I going to hit it? We'll find out. I'm going to give it give it hell. That's what I do and everything been, I do. You've been sitting so. here talking about winning the Chaos Classic this whole time, and you got to you got to get the the block press too. You got to have the right yeah. mindset. You're going to do this. <laughs> Manifest it. Manifest it. Exactly. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work for it. So it's if the opportunity is there, and I'll hit it. I just know it's got to take the right prep. Everything always takes the right prep in my mind. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So, um, another kind of big thing that's coming up is uh, the PSL under sixty four women's. Uh, World Championships coming to the Denver area on I think it's June seventeenth, correct? Yep, June seventeenth. And and CJ and myself are going to be uh, the live commentators on the yeah. ADL live stream, which is which is pretty sweet. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, we were messing today. We were, they got finalized today, and we're both pretty stoked about uh, being the color commentators for that show i'm excited for this class like the u64 class is one of my favorite classes i think they're pound for pound the strongest people on the planet That's these women so I, I cannot wait to see the performance they put on here in denver so i'm excited 100 man and i mean denver do we we need more big shows here and as a community we need to be all coming together and trying to facilitate getting these shows here i mean denver's basically the middle of the continent it's very accessible um flights into here are typically cheap um you know we've got the infrastructure and everything to support it a huge strongman community um i hope that this uh that this show i mean we had clash uh, on the rockies and of course the under 80s here last year um so i hope it uh, you know with psl um now i hope that it continues and grows i know that they would love to have other shows here as well yeah i mean we again we see with uh the shaw classic as well that this is definitely can be a, a strong man big community we have multiple gyms in the area we have had i mean in the small area that we have of denver we've had what seven or eight people total have been to osg at one point or another, or been to at least the clash, like different things, you know, yeah. we have Kim Scott, who's competing in the 64s from here in Denver yeah. when she got, I believe second at nationals last year. So it's just one of those things like in our small space, when, when you go to think about it, like how many gyms do we have and how many elite athletes do we have? It's kind of crazy right. to think about in the grand scheme of things when only X amount of people from around the world get invited to these things. Yeah, absolutely. So. We've got a few nationals winners here too, I think. Um, yeah. I don't know where Tyler Stickle got his pro card at, though. I think he won nationals way back in like 2013. Man, I'm gonna okay. have to I'm gonna have to contact Tyler because I figure that really out. Really want to know. Really want to know because yeah. I think I think him and myself. I won the USS, not SC uh, nationals. Yeah, I got who a podium else? at nationals. Yeah, so I got third. Then, the well, I then got. Adam Geiger got second or third at nationals mm -hmm. in 2019 or 20. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got like, got a lot of like really elite athletes in this area. And of course, Jonathan Cotton up in Windsor, who, who competes overseas at SCL on the uh, open circuit. Um, mm -hmm. Man, 
There's yeah. so many names. The more we think about it, the more we keep listing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, dude. So Denver's got like, dude, we've got a lot of great Starman athletes. And like I said, a huge, a huge uh, community to support these big shows, man. And I, I hope that we have a big turnout. Um, I mean, I know I'm going to be spreading the word to get as many yep. people out watching as possible because that's uh that's how to me that's how we grow the sport right it's uh you know there's always kind of that controversy like what is growing the sport mean and some people think it's more athletes i think it's more audience we need the audience right because the audience is where the roi is for the sponsors and to get money and we need money to grow the sport right and to get the money we need sure. the audience right yeah and that's the big thing is like creating uh spectacles because Again, to a normal person, we are beyond any strength that they can fathom doing. You know, we, we walk into what here is a Vasa Fitness or like an LA Fitness, things like that. Um, we're the strongest people in that gym, hands down, yeah. on most things. We, we, I'm not trying to be hockey, but it's like one of those things because it's of – Yeah, it's just one of those things that we – and like even like some – like the U64 women, they walk into a normal gym. They're out deadlifting most of those guys there. Weighing it's under rare. 140 pounds, like it's rare when you're at a Vasa to see um, anybody deadlifting 405, four plates. Yeah, very, very rare. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I've been to one uh, lifetime fitness. I don't think I saw anybody deadlifting more than like 95 pounds. <laughs> and, and they kind of, and they kind of like go into that, but like people just don't know that these athletes exist a lot of the time, or that sure. are even like in the in the area. They would like. I'm sure you've experienced it. Like you go to there and you deadlift a normal working set of a day. You get some people watching you and looking weird. Now it's like, what if we put that on a spectacle and get, let them see it on a live stream or a TV or things like that? People would tune in if they know it exists. Yep, so the idea exactly. is to, to like, and I think this is where it goes on the athletes as well to be their own promoters on that one. You know, um, I'm getting known to stir the pot at this point, but it's getting <laughs> word out there for certain shows and things are, talking about it maybe they find out a you know, friend of a friend and they're like oh watch this kid he, he goes to my gym or like i know him or things like that and that's what it takes and i'm not saying myself only it takes all of us as a community to show that each weight class we're all freaks but we also have to be entertainment as well that's to to reach the level we want to reach and we believe that we love this sport we think it's one of the coolest things on the planet. And I think normal people that don't want to do what we do still think it's cool. I talk to people I work with, they think it's insane and super cool and like things like that. They just didn't know it existed for that small of a class. So I think just the more we can be advocates for each other, the more we can even like cause, you know, rivalries to each other and get words out there and like have fun things like that and like get more eyes. We need eyes and we need spectacles and we need these things to happen. And that's why like PSL or Clash Beyond ESPN was such a huge thing. Like when I did it last year for the even for the world record attempt, and I got so many texts. Like I was in a my friend was in a bar in Chicago. He's like, I saw you on TV. I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. And he's like, oh, and, awesome, and then he started following the sport, um, things like that. So I think it's, we just need, and I think ADL is a great job as well doing it. I just think us as athletes need to take more pride in promoting the sport yes. as well as ourselves and being a bigger personality in it. I think yeah, that's I super agree. key because I mean, you do have people who don't realize like 
not we've we've talked about him too much and it might go to his head but like cam doesn't always realize how exceptional he is or like he'll downplay himself and a lot of athletes will do that it'll be like well i'm not like cj pierce's level or something and i'm like you're still like at the top like and promoting that of like i think even like you were talking about before this happened of like promoting that you're going to be on this show and stuff of like those small things of like kind of getting and like driving the community and stuff because it can be easy to just like get super sucked into contest prep and then you're not talking about the shows you're doing when mm-hmm. in reality you need to be promoting these things and getting them out there because the promoters yeah. can only do so much and it's like getting your friends and family to like support people like your shirts apparently you're at the top of the leaderboard <laughs> selling those no, no, number one in america baby over john hack you know and that's, like that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I have like this much compared to his following um <laughs> It was, being honest like yeah i'm not you know, i'm not john hack level of followers on instagram and i'm not getting you know tens of thousands of views and all my lifts and things <laughs> like that and then getting people commenting like oh my god that's so awesome that you can yoke 560 pounds um <laughs> <laughs> you know Dude, it's, it's funny right. that you say that like i it blows my mind sorry to like sidetrack but like it blows my mind like when i run across like random like social media profiles and these guys like lifting like warm-up weight and everybody's like you're such a beast like you're so amazing like i mean it is i mean it is amazing in his own right but like do you realize there's people out there doing like five six times that weight like (laughs) i don't think they do because like you said i mean um i think strongman specifically for the most part the vast majority of athletes do struggle with uh, promoting themselves and promoting the sport or, you know, they're not engaged enough in, in, you know, sharing and, and commenting and liking whatever it takes. And yeah, um, I think a big thing also, it's, it, it could be gatekeeping as well, not in a bad way, but like we sure. get so stuck in what we're doing. Like I am, I'm wearing Cody Abel's shirt right now. Like this is a good friend of mine um, in the eighties and I love supporting him and things like that. We need to support each other, like share your friends lift that's did something really cool and maybe someone follows them and that's how you grow the sport more. And then you have one person watching both of you and getting invested in your story. And that's what it is or to be an athlete that people want to talk to like, and listen to it's about creating a story and a narrative that they can follow. And that right. can be involved in me, me helping you out, Darren, sharing one of your cool lists that you do. So we need to be advocates for each other and understand like we're all in this to, to do cool things, but also like we like seeing cool things too. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, absolutely. I like that. It's I, on all I, of us. I like that that perspective, and I guess I've never really thought about that so much. Is 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 helping each other, right? Helping each other is kind of. I mean, um, what am I trying to say? I mean, I mean, it does. It grows the sport. It gets more exposure for all of us. We're all struggling to get uh, exposed. You know, the exposure for the sport for ourselves, right? For self promotion. Um, I mean, helping each other. Maybe that's maybe that's kind of one of the hidden keys to to the progress of the sport that we've not tapped into yet because i don't think that happens by and large i mean yeah here and there like if somebody tags you you know yeah you go and you share it and kind of gets it's a little repetitious and sort of a mindless you know sure i'll just put this on my stories because i I have to hit two buttons right but um yeah kind of i like that perspective uh we need to do that more of that but also, you know, I want to get back to the point, John, you made um, about not being, you know, you CJ Pierce level, whatever. One of the things that one of the first things I learned when I when I travel overseas was um, to compete was 
the promoter said something to the extent of like, you know, being strong is one thing, but to be a really great athlete, you have to be good in front of the camera. Um, and there's a lot of truth to that because uh, there's a lot of people out there who get invited back to shows in, in Giants Live and Arnold and, and SCL, not because they're the best athlete, like the strongest it's because they have great personalities and they have that story to tell that that is the entertainment value that sells the show. Yeah. And that's a huge factor. I think people, again, I, I grew up loving wrestling and like, I love, <laughs> I love WWE. I love all that stuff. But too, not as much as I did as a kid, but like when I painted half my face for OSG, I got so much more exposure and people are sharing and posting and stuff like that. And it wasn't like, it still has to be you. It still has to be like a piece of you. But like that was a big chunk of who I am. So be the most outgoing version of yourself, even when you're competing. Have your celebration, do your thing. Like, and it's okay to celebrate your own accomplishments on camera. It's not I'm being not like, it's not being like, oh, this guy's really cocky because he just like did this thing. Like, no, you earned to be cocky in that moment. You earned that because you just did the things. You know what I mean? It's one thing to like badmouth people, but if you like back up your bullshit and earn your spot, like be the most outgoing version of yourself and show people who you are. Like it's, it's not, not who I am. It just is the most out there version of myself is when I compete, I am the most, like I am present. I am focused on my mission, which is the show. But at the same time, like I love, I wear jorts all the time. I wear them when I compete too. I like, (laughs) I like pro wrestling. I'll paint, I paint my face now for shows. It gets, and it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's for me, but it's also like for the camera. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm more planning out my outfits for a show before I even go to the show, but it's going to like, it's going to get the camera on me. Hell yeah. I want that camera on me. I want to look at that camera, give it a wink and like play that game with it. Um, I'm still going to do my job and perform as best I can, but it doesn't take away from, don't take away from that and right. don't do that. It's not, if that's not who you are, but like find your thing and like be a spectacle. We already lift like a spectacle where there's so many amazing personalities in this sport. We just need to show it. Agree, agree, one hundred percent, man. Because it makes a huge difference sharing those things. Of like, our second sponsored athlete Chase, like, had a personal best as like I think he's a one ninety eight on the three hundred pound log, and everything, and he shared it, and I was like, we reshared it, and he was like overnight, like fifty or a hundred people followed him, and it's like mm-hmm. that's a big deal of those like extra things, and even with like other athletes, I've noticed now that Instagram finally lets more people collaborate like those collaboration posts of like sharing each other's things and like tagging people directly makes a big deal. And also like, don't think your accomplishments aren't worth like (laughs) being celebrated. Like the same thing, like, Oh, I'm not CJ Pierce. Like, no, I'm not CJ Pierce. But when I hit my first 300 pound log, hell yeah, I'm sharing that and posting about it. And I was like hype about it. You know what I mean? And to him, that's working away to me. Now it's working away. If you hit a PR, don't be ashamed to share it and be like, oh, you, I look dorky because, like, that guy over there is doubling what I'm doing. A PR is, like, just as hard to me to you. Like, someone's asked me, what was it like to pull 770 pounds? I'm like, what was your max? And they're like, oh, like, 420. I'm like, it felt the same way. Same yeah. thing. It's just my progression's here now. I got to feel it again and again. Yeah. So, like, you need to – and athletes need to, like, again, when some of my friends do something cool, I share it. So, we, we need to help each other, and we also need to be okay with – showing ourselves and being proud of our accomplishments along the way. Yeah. yeah. 
I share all my lifts and there a lot of them are just ridiculous lifts of just like searchers. I'm branching out and stuff, but people don't, you don't always realize what people like. I think my most liked Instagram post ever was me split jerking 155 pounds off blocks, got 25,000 views and like over a thousand likes. I still don't know why. Like there's no music in the background. I didn't put any audio. <laughs> it's just the same movement. I did it like 10 times in a row and it's like, I've never been able to recreate it, but you never know what people like. And it's also yeah. creating that story because it really, it really is impressive. Like Darren was saying, like watching your progress of being able to see someone like struggle to hit 275 or 280 is now working with 300 pounds. Like it's nothing of like CJ Pierce watching his deadlift go up to be like, my deadlift's not the best, but here's me deadlifting 600 pounds or whatever. And you're like, Oh, cool. Like that's crazy. So no. it's a, it's an individual, like it's a it's an individualist sport in a way, right? I mean, you need a good team around you and a good network, right? But when you're out competing, it's you, it's you against every other individual on the field, right? And and um, yeah, man, and 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 it's all relative at, at the end of the day, like you said, you know, um, I always kind of went out when I competed. It's like you know, people have kind of asked me that, like you know, what's uh, what's your goal at this show and like do better than i did last show right because it's really a competition against myself yeah i want to win i'm going to go to win but like my number one goal is is to to improve every time i'm out there kind of competing against myself in a lot of ways hitting those prs whatever it is and and yeah like you said i mean dude everybody wants to see you excited that you did something it doesn't matter that it was like the heaviest weight or the most reps on the field you just did better than you've ever done or you you hit what you wanted or whatever it is, man, cheer. And, uh, and, and I kind of remember when we did the, the strength of feet here, you know, I hit the 481 stone and I was just like, I was excited, man. Cause like, um, that was my first goal of the day. And I was just pumped. And I remember having jerseys like, is that a PR? And I'm like, no, but I'm freaking happy about it. Right. You know, <laughs> no, that video is so good. Cause, I, mean, cause I was like super excited that yeah. I, that I loaded that in like officially, um yeah. at that time that was a world record right um we'd all hit that and so i mean dude it's okay to to cheer for yourself like you said man and it doesn't matter what the weight is yeah and it's, it's, it has like to said, be a pr right no it's a, it's a, like I said, it's an individual sport but like at the same time it's a community-based sport that's the biggest thing um with everything and realistically it's not even like with most sports it's like oh you versus someone most events you can't do that. You know what I mean? You have to do your best at every event. Yeah. Like, I think I can name like what three occasions, four occasions ever in my whole almost nine year time. We are doing this where I could be like, okay, I can tone back a little bit. Maybe not go to my bet. No, 99.9% <laughs> of the time you are going to be pushing everything to your nth degree yep. on that one. And like, if, we also need to understand, like if you get beat, shake the person's hand. Like, that's awesome. Like, you have more motivation to go try and beat them. Like, I, my defining moments in my careers are shows I've done poorly at. Like those are made, those are what made me the best athlete I can be is understanding. I, okay. What did I do wrong? If I did nothing wrong, what do I need to improve? It's just all those steps you have to go through. It's celebrate your accomplishments. Look at everything as a learning experience and just enjoy this sport and enjoy the community. Yeah. Dude, that's the nice thing about the community though. I mean, yeah, it's an individual sport, but like, that the sportsmanship and the camaraderie is one of the uh, um, things that kept me in it, that actually drew me into the sport. 
a lot of times like your biggest fans or your, at least your biggest, the, the biggest cheerleader section sometimes is your other competitors. Right. And, and that's, what's awesome about the sport is, yeah, I mean, you're out there to do the best for yourself, but nobody, nobody, I think at the top is out there to get an easy win. You want everybody to do their very, very best so that you beat them at their best, because then it adds a lot of value to when you win. Yeah, uh, I always this always explain the show. You explained it very well, but just to reiterate on that, I want everyone at Chaos to do their best. Every one of them, of course. I want my best to beat their best, though. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want out of the show. Like, 100%. If, if someone does make a mistake, like that, just what happened that day, and I'll take it. I'll try to do my best to do what I can. But you can only control yourself. But again, I want. I I'm cheering for every other athlete at the show. I want them to do their best. But I want my best to beat their best, and I'm not going to make it easy for them to beat me, and I never do. Oh, yeah, man. So <laughs> I have a funny story about that recently. I did a fun little comp at our local gym, Home Barbell Club. Shout out. They're great. And there was one guy who he wanted – he signed up at the last minute. So we switched and I went first and he went last because I love going first in events because then I'm only trying to beat myself. Like I'm just going to try the best and like hopefully win. But we had this like arm over arm sled drag thing. And I said a time that no one else could beat and him and I had switched and he was at the very end. And I'm like timing. I was helping get, pull the slack out and he's going super fast, but I can tell he's, I'm going to beat him by like half a second or something and i was like i was cheering him on and i was like moses go faster and he suddenly went faster and beat me by half a second and i couldn't believe it i was like oh my god i didn't think you'd actually go faster he's like, <laughs> he like no i couldn't believe that like you were at first in this event and you're telling me to go faster and beat your time i was like in retrospect maybe i shouldn't have been as cheerful but it was a fun moment of like realizing like you want to see people at their best and stuff like you don't want to have an easy win and it's like it's the most fun way like competing gets people are their best and stuff because like nothing sucks more than like watching someone get injured and then have to like go on with the show and you know you're not competing against their best version so it's just yeah. like, that was my first highland games man i i, I technically on paper i took second to last but the guy last got injured halfway through <laughs> so i literally <laughs> i really took last <laughs> oh yeah. those moments haunt you yeah so but I think that's really important of like supporting people. And I like that mindset. And I like the jorts too. We do, we need to shout out <laughs> jorts. I've been on the jorts train now for several years and it's great. And also just like reach out to people and keep up with them in the community. Cause like yeah. Darren was super awesome. And I was like, dude, this guy's amazing. He's a professional athlete. Like he's cool. And look where we are now. Like we're talking, I mean, hanging out with friends. Maybe semi-professional. He's semi-professional. <laughs> I was like, you've, tra you've traveled. To I'm not making a living off of this, but I've got paid yeah. a little bit of money. So maybe you call me a semi-professional. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about what's the line that makes you professional and what doesn't. And it's just like, I, you, you know, know, I've, I've said for a long time that to be a professional, you should be making a living. This should be your profession, right? That's the dictionary definition of professional yeah. making a living at your profession. But in a, in a sport that can't really pay anybody that, then yeah. I guess we have to, we have to blur the lines a little bit. I, I, I started defining it as um, if you had to claim it on your taxes, then you made enough to be called a professional, at least for that year. I've been writing, I've been writing off all my expenses for the last three years. Um, so maybe you are. 
if you don't, if people don't know that you can do that, like you told it, like the gut, the, yeah. so the IRS can, you can, yep. as an athlete, you, you can be a business entity, right? You use your social security number instead of a, a whatever employee ID um, number employee or whatever. ID. Um, and they'll allow you to write off your expenses up for, for up to three years without making any profit. But after that, like technically there's like, you're supposed to stop doing it. I don't know what happens if you don't, but um, you're just can't claiming a loss, right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. There's there's little little hack for people out there that are starting to climb that ladder where yeah. travel and all the gear we have to have, like the different shoes, the different there's sleeves, so the different and it just adds, like I said, I just spent $275 on some of the sandbags we're going to use at Chaos. Ordered them from the UK. Yeah. So I ordered two of them. And that's not even counting what I have to fill them with. So, like, you better believe I'm writing that off. So oh, You don't even want to start on how much money I've spent on this. <laughs> oh, I, that's over, a, over the that's, 14 and a half years that I competed in it. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't want to calculate all of it. I, I spent that today. That's why I know uh, what the number is. I have a rough guess. I've, like, I've, I've estimated, and it's 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 six figures. It's not good. So, like, really, if you want to talk about professionals – semi-professional status i mean the reality is i'm so far in the hole man i'm like <laughs> i'm like i'm still like, i'm at, i'm still at level zero yeah, <laughs> yeah. but at least it's, the sandbags you got are good though who's yeah no they're gonna be great i'm so i'm so excited because those worm sandbags i'm not a fan of that i do yeah. just want to take a brief well, the, moment to say the worm drag those long 800 dollar sandbags not a fan. Well, I, I was gonna order it from Rogue, but Rogue sandbags, the Hustafel versions, they only go up to two hundred pounds, Ooh, and we're doing a three, and we're doing a three thirty. So we had to order the ones that they're exactly using, and luckily they made a good deal on it and like shaved off some prices. Then the truck that I had to pay the shipment to the U.S. But um, yeah, the, the, that's the only way they made them big enough to hold uh, be a sandbag Hustafel um, in there because, like I said, Rogue only goes to two hundred. I'm like. Well, I can't train with a 200 bag for a 330 carry. That's not going to help me at all. You just dump some lead shot in there. You'll be fine. That's, not, uh, <laughs> that's what I did with my throw bags, like to to bring them up to like the fill them with rubber, and then I added lead shot to bring them up to weight, so they're nice and full. And, yeah. Because I hate the, I feel the like, sloppy sit, even though that's what they make us use sometimes, but. I feel like throwbacks are different though, because like yeah. a carry, well, it, it'll be all weighted in the bottom, you know, for a max distance. So it's like the first... the, the bank to shoulder I did for the OSG qualifier. Um, that's how I I took my 300, 303 bag and put um, bags of lead on top of it. I mean, it yeah. was like jam. I mean, it was like there was like no room <laughs> up top. If I, I would have dropped it, it would have just gone everywhere. Right. But like, that's why like, well, if you watch the must... video, I'm like, I'm bringing it down like as slowly as possible. Cause I know if I drop this, like there's lead. Going well, down. that, that must've made it easier to clean them is all the weights up top. It flips with you. So that's something people I mean, like, I mean, it was a little, I don't know if it made I mean, it easier necessarily, but, um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying like using the physics to your advantage. Like it's I mean, why it was like a shorter bag, right? I think a taller bag would have been easier to clean. Yeah. Um, because you get have more higher to start with, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it made it. I don't know. That's a good point. I I never thought about it. I mean, um, well. Like the shout out um, Shane who posted it after OSG, he posted how he was training his athletes to the same height of shoulder. He had him pull it down so the weights in the bottom. So when they flipped it, it went all the way up. And I'm like, oh. Why didn't I think of that? And it made me like hit a 300 bag out of nowhere. I'm like, cool. 
this is great. Awesome. I didn't, cause it just, you <laughs> using the physics to your advantage is more weight to flip with you than against you. Cause when you, most yeah. people push it, the weight's sinking underneath you. So you're holding all the weight down here. So little things like that. I, I'm just like a giant physics nerd with this sport. I think you have to be you to have get to be a little. Yeah. Yeah. But, to, but that's mean, how you the get guy, the edges. Did the guy that the one Oh fives that got the heaviest sandbags of shoulder for that qualifier. I think he used like a 50, a 250 pound bag. So it was really small. It's easy to get a hold of, and he just loaded yeah. it with lead shot, man. And it was like four hundred and some pounds. Like it was like four. I think it was already. I think that must have been packed. It was tight. super packed. It was super packed. Uh, I think he duct taped it on top just to make sure to like blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes the tight bag. No one, no one likes the sloshy bag. Oh, dude, the sloppy. So the difference between my three hundred when I had that like loaded up to three eighty. That was easier because it was tight than my 320 or 330 maybe it is because it's sloppy. Like, that thing's yeah. impossible. Like, I can't shoulder that thing to save my life. Well, I have, yeah, but that's... it's so hard. So... Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make it easier for it. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's, yeah. the again, the nuances of the sport we talk about. Like, we know yeah. the difference between if we see a sloppy bag or a lighter bag, how we manipulate it. Like, it's not just weight. It's weight plus physics plus different nuances. Yeah, so. indeed. But hey, guys, we're I... like we're getting oh, yeah. up to almost an hour, yeah. fifteen minutes. <laughs> we're like uh, about an hour, so you can cut this last bit, I guess. This is just us. No, no yeah. we won't cut it. We're just yeah, just uh, we should have started recording recording earlier. That's really the lesson we need to learn. <laughs> every time we need to get yeah. on and just hit pl- like record like ASAP. And just start talking. Yeah. Joe Rogan style, where they're in the middle of a conversation already. <laughs> Like, I mean, clearly, surprise record. Clearly, that's working for you. So, yeah. Any any closing thoughts, CJ? Um, I mean, it, anything you want the, our viewers to know? Where to find you? Anything along those lines? Um, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's gonna be at Giant Slayer Kraus um, underscores in between. Again, you'll see my OSG picture, the face paint and all of that. The biggest thing I'm looking forward to, I just want to bring it up, is obviously the Chaos Classic, but also working with PSL for the U64 women. Be on commentary with you, Darren. Those are the two big things I want to highlight on this episode before we get out of here. I'm excited to hopefully grow the sport more over the next year, two years, five years, whatever it is. So, yep. Amen to that. Yeah. And if you check their website, you'll get to see a familiar logo. So. That's a real handy thing. He's helping build the website. <laughs> I don't know. Are you building it? Or are you? I'm just making it look nice. It's with GoDaddy, gotcha. which Tyler actually got to watch me work. And that's one of those things of like having someone watch you do your job. It's always exciting. But Tyler's great. And it was wonderful yep. having you on the show. And I love how yeah, many yeah. athletes you shouted out. Because like Kim Scott, Ethan, CJ Pierce, all yeah. great people. Yeah, so, I have nothing bad to say about those people. So, yeah, the yeah. more I can, again, promote other athletes, including myself, the better it is for the sport, like I talked about. So, yeah, I was so glad when you wanted to do this. So, it was really great. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming, man. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs>